if you're coaching right, you're almost never giving a direct instruction. Unless it's like a form cue, you know, head up, that sort of thing. But like in terms of the action planning, ideally we want the client to generate their own ideas in some way. I mean, we might give them a little boost, but we want them to take ownership of what they're going to do because that's what's going to drive them to take action. Hi, this is Sean Greeley and welcome to the Secrets to Their Fitness Business Success Podcast, where industry leaders share their secrets, strategies, and step-by-step systems to turn your fitness passion into a highly profitable business. Now, after you've listened to the show, head on over to npefitness.com slash podcast to download the show notes and get access to our free e-course on how you can start and grow a profitable fitness business. You'll see how over 45,000 fitness entrepreneurs have created more profit, revenue, and happiness with their business and get instant access to our three most popular fitness business building guides. The training is 100% free and you can access it now at npefitness.com slash podcast. Now let's get on to the show. All right, coming to you from Los Angeles, this is the Secrets to Their Fitness Business Success Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Greeley, founder and CEO of NPE, and this is episode number three, the difference between a good coach and a great coach and how to unlock lasting transformation for your clients and go from good to great in the skill of coaching. I'm extremely excited for this interview with Dr. Krista Scott Dixon, Director of Curriculum at Precision Nutrition, because if you ever felt like you know what your clients should be doing, but they just aren't listening to what you have to say, then the gap lies in your coaching skills. Listen, having the knowledge about a subject matter and actually coaching humans to change the behavior and get different results are two very different things. And Krista and other leaders at PN have built an incredible model for leading change that I believe every coach in the world needs to have in their toolbox today. You're going to learn a ton in this episode, so be sure to take notes and let's jump in. Okay, welcome to Secrets of Success uh, podcast. Excited to be here today with Krista Scott Dixon. Krista is, she's called the Intellectual Powerhouse. I think that's a very well-deserved title. Uh, she is a PhD from Toronto. She's got over 20 years experience in uh, education, program design, curriculum, coursework, coaching, counseling, and really she's the one of the head architects behind PN's level one, uh, level two certification for the past 10 plus years. Uh, she has, you know, directly through her work transformed not only thousands and thousands of coaches, but millions of people's lives through the work she's done in creating processes and structure that lead change. So I'm super excited to have Krista here today. She is a wealth of knowledge around coaching and around leading transformational change. And Krista, thank you for being here today. Oh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Awesome. So we've got a packed um, show, packed questions. We're going to struggle to get through yeah. everything we can, but uh, <laughs> I've got a lot to, to, to get into today that's going to be really valuable for everybody uh, out there listening. And the first is really talking about uh, some of the major lessons learned at PN from, gosh, when you guys you know, began in 2008 to now, you've had a tremendous journey. And I know uh, in some of our show prep, we talked about um, you know, early on, you thought your work was around teaching nutrition. And quickly you really realized that that didn't matter. <laughs> it didn't matter what people know. It matters what they do. And really your work became about leading coaching and teaching how to coach. And the, the, the lessons you've learned not just apply to nutrition coaching, but really to leading anyone through change. Uh, and uh, I, we've got just some great lessons and content to share. And I'd love for you to just kind of tell us about your journey through that process, because it's, I know it's been a big one. Yeah, and, and I think even calling it like teaching about nutrition, 
I think even that is a little bit too generous because in retrospect, if I look back, we were kind of telling people <laughs> about nutrition, you know, and, and, you know, and for, I think in a way that was, I don't want to say it was deserved, but I think that we, many of us felt like we had earned the credentials or the legitimacy or the knowledge to be able to tell people about nutrition. So uh, even though- we And why shouldn't you? You have a yeah. PhD, you've spent, you know, well, long and we time had, in like, school, you know what yeah, you're talking about, right? Come totally, on. Totally, exactly. And we had RDs, we had PhDs, we had people who'd really put in the reps, so to speak, and been in the labs and, and done the work. Uh, and so we felt like, yeah, we're coming from a place of authority and, and you should trust us and you should listen to us. And so I feel like that's not wrong, but that's not exactly how human beings work, right? There needs to be uh, an ongoing process of relationship building and other things that happen beforehand. So yeah, when we first started off, uh, 2007, 2008 was when I, I came on, we conceptualized our job as we're going to tell you some stuff and we might've put it into a nicely understandable format, um, you know, things that are actionable and stuff like that. But primarily it's a top-down information delivery. You come to us with a goal, we'll tell you how to get to that goal, we'll give you some tools, we'll help you progress, and awesome, then we'll be done, right? And over time, we started getting a little bit frustrated sometimes because people wouldn't take our advice or they would question it or why am I doing this? Uh, why should I take fish oil? Why should I do this? And our initial response was defensive, like, how come you don't believe us? You know, we're the experts. And then we came to appreciate that, you know, although we had started off really well with like a habit-based paradigm, with really helping people put things into action in their daily lives, we hadn't really considered the component of human motivation um, and, and what actually moves people through a change process. And one big component of that, which is certainly relevant to coaching and business, is relationships. We started thinking about how do we build relationships more effectively and how do we walk with people in the process of change rather than push them from behind? I, there's a great term in solution-focused therapy called leading from behind. And the image that they use is like, you know, when you're guiding someone across the street, like, you know, the proverbial little old lady or whatever, like your little kid, right? You take their elbow and you guide them. And so, but you're walking beside them and you're guiding them a little bit, but mostly they're going on their own steam. And I think that's much more of a metaphor for, for how we do things now in, in 2019. It's much more about exploration, experimentation, try this, gather data, notice what works, start to build your action plan from the evidence that you gather from your own experience in your own life. So in the end, I'm not telling you what to do. You emerge with an action plan for yourself. So that's sort of like the big picture of how, you know, the trajectory that we've been yeah. on over the last several years. Awesome. And, and tell me kind of how you define that, what, a, what coaching means today. What is, how do you guys define coaching? Uh, yeah, one of our shorthands for it is it's like a tour guide for a place where you already live. I don't know if you ever had this experience, like a friend comes to town and you think, oh gosh, what am I gonna, how do I entertain them? And you think, oh, I'll, I'll try that new restaurant or, uh, you know, there's, I'll go and see that tourist attraction that I haven't really ever seen, you know, even though I've been living here for 20 years. And it's like you go and you look at the place with fresh eyes. It's like that. You've already been living in this space or this place you call your body but, or your life or whatever, but someone somehow helps you look at it with fresh eyes or a fresh perspective or um, just a different angle on things, a way of doing things. 
Yeah. Awesome. I, I love that, that metaphor. I know you talk a lot about, you know, showing up mentally, physically, emotionally, and really giving process and all that's part of that, right? It's all in- inclusive really of, of that, of that journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And we really like to have a multidimensional conception of what health involves, right? Because I think if you've ever gone through, many of us have gone through a process of getting an amazing physical shape or, you know, competing at a very high level of physical performance, but experiencing problems with our mental health, with our emotions, with our relationships, with, you know, what's around us. Maybe we dropped other activities to focus on this. Uh, Maybe we were doing it without a sense of meaning or purpose. So in some other dimension of life, we've become out of balance. And going forward, we started to realize, you know, that's, that's not the kind of person that we want to create as a coaching outcome. We don't want to get someone an eight pack abs, right? But have them hate their life. So we really started thinking about how can we start helping people thrive in all these dimensions? And also, how do the dimensions reinforce each other? Right? So a lot of people will think, okay, if I get into shape, then I will be happy. But usually it works the other way around, right? Happiness facilitates the behaviors that get you into better shape or self-worth facilitates the behaviors that get. So we noticed that when we were uh, improving one dimension, another dimension would improve. Uh, And so it was like, okay, listen, maybe we could build a high performance client out of these other dimensions without just focusing on one thing. I love that. And there's, Mm -hmm. there's so much to be said for that with, uh, with all the areas of, you know, that create long-term success and happiness and fulfillment, right? We've got to have balance, uh, in all those areas. So, uh, mm-hmm. talk to me about the, the, you know, you have a, actually a chapter in your textbook that talks about good coaching versus great coaching and the difference between the two. And it's pretty significant. Um, and I'd love for you to explain that a little bit for everybody. Yeah, I think, I mean, and before you get to great coaching, <laughs> you have to be a good coach. Actually, you have to be a less sucky coach. And, and to be totally honest, one of our goals writing the textbook was, let's see if we can help people suck less. <laughs> because uh, you know, when you're a beginner, you don't have the reps, you don't have the years, you don't have all the experiences. You cannot be a masterful coach. So we can give you a model and a template and like something to shoot for. But you're not going to be a great coach when you first start. You're not even going to be a good coach when you first start. In a sense, I'm not even sure if I'm a good coach yet. I feel like there has to be more reps to put in, right? So a good coach, I think, is one who hits all of the skills and competencies of coaching. So people skills, communicating, listening, you know, reading nonverbal cues, um, helping people feel seen and heard and validated and recognized, um, problem solving skills, understanding what is the problem to be solved and how are we going to get to the outcome the person wants, troubleshooting, that kind of stuff. Um, Working with the human condition, troubleshooting ambivalence, resistance, blocks, obstacles, challenge, Uh, having a certain mindset, having a growth mindset rather than a fixed mindset, like, oh, this is how things are. Um, being able to elicit action. So, you know, the big difference for me between a counselor and a coach, although there's lots of overlap, the the Venn diagram circles, a coach is trying to get a person to take action. So ultimately the end game of coaching is taking action. So it's, you know, there can be exploration, but everything is in the service of action. 
Um, and then I think, so these are sort of the baseline skills for, for good coaching. There's planning, um, you know, developing some kind of strategic uh, plan or template for an athlete, understanding progression, you know, we're starting here, we're going to go step by step. There's, you know, segmentation, keeping it simple, lots of stuff around that. I think a great coach is someone who understands or expects this can be not just good, but transformative. So if I'm a coach working with an athlete, a good coach is like, let's get that athlete to win a game or their competition season. A great coach is like, how can I transform this athlete as a human being so that success is inevitable, not just in this competition season, but for the rest of their life. So I think a great coach plays a much bigger game and a much longer game. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, I think everybody here wants to aspire to not just be good, but to be great. That's why they're tuned in. That's why they're listening. And, you know, they're on that journey. Uh, and I, I'm so glad you said, you know, I feel like I'm still learning. You know, and I think if you've stopped learning, you've stopped growing uh, when it comes to, to leading, you know, change uh, and helping people grow. There's always more more layers of mastery, right? So, uh, so many good things um, to be said there. Now, talk about, um, you guys have a term and it really a, a components of client-centered coaching. Um, and I know that's really powerful and, and central to, to the work, you know, that you just described, talking about the whole person and looking at everything involved. So how do you define client-centered coaching and take us through that a little bit further? Yeah, so I mean, this is, I think this is one of those concepts that's easy to understand, but really hard to do like at a, in a substantive way. So client-centered coaching is simply putting the client's agenda at the center of what you do. Uh, so that means their goals, their priorities, their values, their motivation, not the coaches. Now, let's say you're a team coach. Sometimes, you know, if you're coaching team athletics, um, it's hard to see how client-centered coaching can play in because you have a team agenda, right? Your team wants to win. So how do I get client-centered. It's not like what Bob wants or Susan wants or whoever, but client-centered coaching is also about knowing every client, understanding every client, like what's in their head, what's in their life, what makes them tick, what drives them. So it's really about placing the client or the athlete at the center of the universe in terms of understanding them and really wanting to work with them. Um, and I think when this becomes difficult is when there is conflict between what I want and what you want as the client. So let's say, for example, um, I have a client who, let's, let's say I have a client who smokes, right? So they come to me, maybe they want to get into better shape and they smoke. Now as the coach, of course, I think they shouldn't smoke, right? <laughs> this is a pretty standard health behavior. I think that you shouldn't smoke. But what if the client says to me, right now, I'm not going to stop smoking. What do I do with that, right? A coach-centered coach would be like, no, you have to stop smoking. I'm not going to work with you if you don't, blah, 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 right? A client-centered coach would say, okay, cool. You tell me what you want to work on. Maybe down the road, we'll talk about the smoking thing. I don't know. You never have to change if you don't want to. But let's look at what you are prepared to change, what you are prepared to work on or adjust or do or play with. That's the difference. And I might even do some work to understand why is smoking so important to you? Like, what is it about smoking that's, that's uh, so significant in your life? What's your story? that led to that, you know, that point and that reticence, give it up. That's the difference. Well, I think everybody has faced some example of that in coaching relationships. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's, <laughs> it's, it's great to be reminded of that, um, that 
we don't have to apply pressure. We can just really shift, shift the way we engage. Well, and uh, that's really, really hard. Like, I think this is very, like, it's important to emphasize that yes. um, this takes an incredible amount of emotional self-regulation and self-discipline. So, you know, it is completely normal to struggle with this or to find yourself pushing your client and thinking, oh, right. Or, or to be like, yeah, I know client-centered coaching is great, but like, come on, this guy needs to stop smoking for God's sake. Right. So it does take an, it is, it's a practice. It is, I don't want to say a spiritual practice that like, <laughs> that overinflates it, but it is a, a kind of interpersonal internal practice that you have to work on. And it's quite difficult sometimes. Yeah. I, 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 I definitely have been there many times as a coach in, in the <laughs> yeah. work that I do. So, um, it's so, it's so important and so critical for success yet, yet it is hard, especially when you see, you know, behaviors that are directly leading to like significant problems. Right. So how do you, how do you shift and how do you engage that differently? Um, mm -hmm. it's a, it that's you know but that again that's what makes a good coach versus a great coach right we're, yeah. we're on this journey to get better so totally. we continue to get great challenges that allow us to grow in our ability to to be effective in leading those conversations and, and helping people through mm -hmm. uh well um talk, let's talk a little about the the process of coaching uh at pn you've got a six-step process really you define for for coaching and the work of coaching um take us through that what are the six steps and how do they work okay well <laughs> I mean, the first thing I would say is that there's actually something that happens before the first step, which is almost like a welcome and orientation piece, right? So like, like in your mind as a coach or practitioner, walk yourself through the process as a client. What happens if you walk through the, the, the front doors of the gym, for example, if, the, if that's where you practice or, or what happens when people come to see you or, or when you log on to talk to them online or whatever, right? So like from that very first moment of contact, what experience is that person having? So you want to kind of set the stage a little bit with a bit of a welcome and an orientation, whether that's a first meeting or a subsequent meetings, you know, set the emotional tone. Hey, it's great to see you. I'm so-and-so, right? If it's a first meeting, here's what we're going to talk about today. Here's how this works. Do you have questions? Um, you know, there, there's kind of like a, a setting of the stage yes. that happens. And so that's sort of the pre- the pre-framing. Pre the pre-framing, yeah, exactly. Step zero, right? So then step one is some kind of assessment. So if it's a new client, uh, you know, you're probably doing like some kind of initial assessment. If it's an ongoing client, maybe you're monitoring progress. But it's in some way you're collecting information and data. And it can be informal. How's it going? How did last week go? You know, it can be very um, unstructured. Or it can be more structured. Let's work through an assessment form. Let's go through a checklist. Let's get on the scale or test your bench press or whatever. So that's step one. Step two is really trying to understand this data that you're collecting in context. So, okay, I just gathered a bunch of data and information. What does it mean? You know, what's my client's story? Like, who are they as a person? What are they experiencing right now? So we move from just knowing stuff to really trying to understand it, to, to put all the pieces together into a coherent you know, picture in a puzzle about who they are as people. And then based on that, we strategize and plan together. So this is, the, this is when we get the, the whiteboard or the post-it notes or whatever, and we say, okay, based on what I know of you and the data that we've gathered, this is what I'm feeling for like a possible 
series of next steps. Okay, so that's step three. Then you have to pick one because you can't do them all, right? So step four is choosing one next action to do or one next skill to practice or one next you know, domain to focus on and agreeing together that you're going to try this or the client is going to try this. Step five, it's kind of like step one really because you're, you're uh, gathering more data. So it's, so it's a, a progress check. What did you try and what happened? What results did you get? Um, you know, what was the outcome of that particular action that you took? And then you just sort of feed back into, into the circle again, right? So step six is like, you make a judgment call. Should we go this direction? Should we keep going? Are we doing well? Should we keep on this path? Should we change course? Do we need to troubleshoot? So you judge, you know, you assess, or sorry, not assess, but you evaluate. You evaluate and make a judgment call and you kind of feed back into that cycle. So you're always sort of looping through this process of like assessment, understanding, strategizing, choosing, narrowing the options, testing, monitoring, and then deciding what to do next. So it's just this ongoing feedback loop at different levels of, of depth or uh, concreteness. That's all there is to it. I love that. So it's a very simple process. It also articulates really how you pull everything together. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges that coaches have in, in executing it? That's a great question. And uh, I, have a, I have an immediate answer, which is they rush too quickly to tell the client what to do. So they rush too quickly to advise, give helpful suggestions. <laughs> you know, it's always very well-meaning, right? It's, it, you know, people want to help. So they rush too quickly to give that help before hanging back and saying, okay, let me, let me assess the situation, get a read on it, you know, learn more, ask questions, be curious. I think people rush much, much too quickly to direct the action. And even when we're choosing an action with our client together, this is a collaboration. It's not me telling you what to do unless the client says, dude, I have like no idea whatsoever what to do. Please help me out. Just, just tell me what to do. Right. Sometimes that is a thing. <laughs> Sometimes you, you can say, okay, listen, based on what we've got here, I'm going to suggest this. So there's times for suggesting, but in general, it's a collaboration. So you look at the data and the stories and everything with your client together and say, okay, listen, here's what I'm seeing. I'm kind of feeling this as a direction. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Like, what are you, what are you ready, willing, and able to do? Does this seem like a good direction? I was feeling this one. You may have other thoughts. You work together to winnow down that next action or that direction that you're going to take. So to kind of circle back to your question, I think, yeah, jumping in too soon to tell, advise, if you're, if you're coaching right, you're almost never giving a direct instruction. Unless it's like a form cue, you know, head up, that sort of thing. But like in terms of the action planning, ideally we want the client to generate their own ideas in some way. I mean, we might give them a little boost, but we want them to take ownership of what they're going to do because that's what's going to drive them to take action. If I'm telling you what to do, unless you're a massive people pleaser, you're probably not going to do it and you're not going to do it consistently or you'll only do it so long as I'm watching you, right? We want to generate actions that clients will do even when no one's looking. It's like if you find a wallet on the street and it has ID and it has money and it's, 
you know, clearly some nice person's wallet they've lost. If no one sees you pick up that wallet, what do you do, right? What kind of person are you? Hopefully most of us would want to give the wallet back to the person that owned it, right? So we want to get our clients to that place where they are willing to return the wallet, even though no one sees them do it. So that they are doing the actions they need to do without us pushing, telling, lecturing, directing, any of that stuff. Does that make sense? It does. And I, I think okay. it's, it's, it's an area I'd love to spend a little more time on because I think this is such a big mindset shift for, for coaches because so many times, you know, a client has just signed up, they're raring to go, um, you know, just tell me what to do, just tell me what to do. And the coach feels like, well, my value isn't telling them what to do. And that's, I got to, now I got to tell them what to do. And, and I got to write a program and I get it, give them a prescription and I got to lay out the, the protocol and, and then get them doing it because, you know, they're ready to go. And now it's my job to deliver. Um, and as you said, they, we rush, we rush because we, we don't want to, you know, be the one dragging our client behind. They're hungry and driven and showing up, you know, no one is, hotter than when they first signed up, right, to start a new program. And we think that, okay, we've got we've to match their pace of enthusiasm and, and we gotta, we got to go right to it. But oftentimes slowing people down is the much more important job um, to create this mindset around how we're going to work through this over a longer period of time, not about what we're going to do just this week. It's really about how we're going to work together to create transformative change over a longer cycle. Um, but I, I, yes, I'd love to and yeah. like there's a, there's a coach friend of mine who puts sled pushes into most of his clients' programs, especially in the beginning. Sled pushes or sled pulls, if they can do them. Because that is something that makes you feel like you work really hard. Like you get done a sled push and you're like, yes, I did that. You feel like a badass, right? Now that might be like five minutes of time in your program. He can do a bunch of rehab stuff around that. But when you finish with a sled push, that's what you remember. And you walk away thinking like, yes, I am working towards my goals. So on the one hand, yes, we do want to slow them down and you know, kind of get them going in a more um, systematic way. But we also need to have little things in our back pockets that will give them the feeling of keeping that momentum without harming themselves, right? Because most people can safely sled push or pull. Uh, so they'll feel like they had a great workout but they don't need to have the athletic competence or, or the fitness level necessarily to execute more complex and difficult movements. So we need something like that in our coaching back pocket. One yeah. of the ones for me is eating slowly without distractions. And so if I have a hotshot client come to me and they're like, I really want to lose weight right away. I'll be like, listen, I got, I got a secret for you. Okay. It's, it's going to sound easy, but I dare you to try it for a week and come back. Eat slowly, no distractions. That's the game. And they're like, ah, that sounds crazy. I'm like, try me. Text me on the first day. Let me know how it goes. And that becomes the sled pushing because they're like, wow, this is really hard. But they also notice results from it. So it's good to have little coaching tricks in your back pocket that give people the feeling of doing something right away. Um, whether it's a little make work project or whether it's something more substantial. It's, you know, we, have our, we have our little tricks and tactics too. I love it. Yeah. I, that's, that's such a great one. And I, I can remember, um, I remember that one. I know that, that one, especially for someone who's, you know, business owners and coaches that are busy coaching, working on their business, managing a lot of pieces, even just for us to remember that all the time to slow down, chew your food, you know, don't be doing other things while you're eating. It's just so important to be reminded of. So it's such a great habit. Mm -hmm. Especially when you frame it as a challenge, right? Um, 
like it becomes like one of those magic tricks where it's like, you know, try to do the simple thing and you can't. And you're like, oh my God, that's it's like the Chinese finger trap, right? Where you're like trying to get your fingers out. You're like, oh yes. my God, that's amazing. So it, it gives them that sense of wonder as well, uh, I think, which is kind of fun. Awesome. Mm -hmm. So an area that you and I have spent some time speaking about is really, you know, at PN, you guys are committed to leading change in the work you do through coaches being the vehicle, you know, to lead change uh, and, uh, and through the skills of coaching, education, and obviously nutrition habits. At, at MPE, it's really, you know, similar. We're here to lead change. We know that we've got to help coaches and business owners grow in their skill sets, acumen, strategy, systems, tools to be more effective in leading their business and leading uh, all the aspects that support that in our methodology. Um, and especially with early stage coaches, uh, you and I have talked a lot about how people think actually the skills of running your business are completely different from the skills of actually coaching clients. And, and they are different skill sets, right? But they are also more aligned than they're not. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of people just have a lot of, you know, they're, they're very comfortable studying education and talking about, you know, changing habits, but when you go to, let's talk to someone you don't know yet, or let's talk about how we, you know, lead a commitment to uh, your program and to their, or so someone's goals in your program and these different skills that are required to be effective in new client acquisition and other aspects of, of, of really leadership. It's all leadership in many ways. Um, people just freeze up and they, they really, you know, they're uncomfortable in those domains. So I'd love for you to, to speak that a bit. Well, yeah, let's, I mean, let's go back to our six step coaching process, right? Assessment and data gathering. That can be, um, you know, doing, having a weekly check-in, you know, on the numbers of your business uh, or doing, running some kind of analytics. Uh, the most basic, how much money's coming in, how much money's going out, right? Like any kind of assessment and data gathering can be half an hour every week where you sit down and like, look at your numbers, right? Um, understanding and building the story, whether that's for you, you know, what is this business? What is the, what is the, um, what are this business's values? Uh, what is the mission I'm on? And it doesn't even have to be a big mission. It's like, but it's more like, what am I here to do? And what am I not here to do? Right? If you have a fat loss client coming in, they're not here to be a muscle gain client, right? So a lot of coaching is about winnowing down. What is it you'd like to do? What is it you don't want to do? Um, Business is the same. Values, motivations, ambivalence, resistance. What's, what are the blocks? What are the obstacles? Understanding the story of your business. Then, you know, kind of mapping out, again, getting those post-it notes out, thinking of all the things you possibly could be doing, and then picking out one to try. You know what? This week, I'm going to try focusing on this. Test something, see how it goes. Assessing, how did it work? This week, I tried strategy X. It actually worked pretty well. I think I'm going to keep doing it. So it's exactly the same process. And then in terms of things like sales and marketing, I think people have this idea that sales means being sleazy or slimy or creepy or lying to people. But sales is just building a relationship and, and figuring out how to give people something that is of value to them that they genuinely want. Because I mean, the good thing about coaching is you're not selling crap, right? You're not selling a garbage product. And if you are, work on your coaching skills first. Right? <laughs> but, but, you know, once you get your coaching to the point where it's like, you know, adequate, um, understand that you're selling something that is truly valuable to another human being. Support, accountability, being understood, 
helping uh, develop an action plan. Like all of these things are really, really valuable. Um, being listened to, you know, if you can just master your listening skills, think about how many people in an average day really get listened to. Like someone to sit across the table for them and be like, that's really interesting. Tell me more. Like I'm genuinely absorbing this. That never happens to people, right? So simply building your listening skills, never mind your telling skills, is a valuable commodity in and of itself. So all of that stuff is what sales is, right? You have a valuable thing. You think that someone could truly use it and you want to talk to them about that. You want to build a relationship with them. That's all that sales is. And marketing is just telling the story of, of that. When you frame it like that, it sounds way different, right? Hopefully right. you believe in your own product. If you don't, eh, maybe consider another line of work. But hopefully, I mean, you don't have to be 100% confident. I think most coaches are not 100% confident. I think that's a good thing. I think it keeps us humble, keeps us modest, keeps us a little bit sharp, right? But on some level, you have to believe in what you do and believe in your ability to create a helping relationship with another human being that needs it. That's what you're doing as a coach, right? Gosh, I feel like selling that to someone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I know we talked about as well um, in some of our, our prep, we talked about like, where do people show up when they first sign up? You know, no one mm. like signs up for coaching because everything's going great in their life. They show up when right. they're in some type of crisis or challenge. And, you know, that oftentimes just, just listening to them is, is one of the most important things they need right there to start to support them on their journey. So I'd love for you to, to talk to that a little bit further. Yeah, um, for sure. And, and again, like I come back to that piece of in, 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 in the 21st century, which is full of information and talking and opinions, listening is an incredibly rare and valuable commodity. So, and, and listening or, or witnessing, you know, being with someone in, in a difficult moment, it's extremely powerful. So I'm I mean, listening without fixing, right? Like listening without reassuring, without fixing, without any of that stuff, just listening. It is an incredibly, you know, scarce resource uh, and valuable commodity. And so what does that look like? When I say listening, okay, what does that look like? Someone comes to me, First of all, I show with my entire body that they're the most important thing in the room with me right now. I'm not like, you know, like, oh yeah, no, tell me more about your stuff. I'm not looking at my phone, right? I'm not staring off into space. I'm not looking over their shoulder for the next interesting person coming in. It's like you and me are here together and there's nothing more important than you right now. Just us being present together. Then I allow silence, right? Because sometimes when we listen, we're just waiting for the other person to shut up so we can like jump in with what we think, right? So allow this, a little bit of silence to unfold. Someone stops talking, just like wait a beat before you jump in. Because often when you wait, they'll say more, right? So you can like, if you're nervous, like take a drink of water or like, you know, stroke your chin thoughtfully, right? Stroke your imaginary beard and be like, uh-huh. Um, but kind of slow the pace down and, and um, really try to absorb what they're telling you and then offer it back to them. Like test your understanding. Okay, so it sounds like what you're saying is blah, blah, blah. Did I get that right? Am I, am I hearing you right? Is there more to that story? 
So you're doing like this dance of like receiving, assimilating, and giving it back to them. And you kind of do this like back and forth dance until they feel like, yes, you got it. You got me. There's like a click that happens. But in terms of concrete ways to practice this, one of the things we suggest is try to listen to someone for a full minute without interrupting. See if you can do it. It's actually remarkably challenging. If they stop talking, like wait. See if you can make it the full minute. It's a really strong exercise. But that's what we talk, that's what we mean when we talk about listening. I love that. Mm -hmm. So I know we're on a little bit of a tight schedule in, the, in our, our time here today. Talk about just some of the, the biggest things of why uh, someone should sign up for PN level one and what can they expect to learn, how this is going to benefit their career. I mean, I think we've covered a host of those things in this session today, but I really, you know, believe in the work you guys are doing. I want people to really have a sense of how much they can benefit and gain in their career from going through the certification that you guys offer. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm glad you asked that question. Cause I think like a lot of people wonder like, why should I take this? Right. And, and I think that's a fair question because there's lots of other, certifications out there. It seems like there's more coming out all the time. Sometimes people might even wonder, well, geez, should I go back to graduate school? Like, what do I do? And so I think that's a, that's a really fair question. And what I would say is that the certification is a fit for someone that is looking for a more systematic way to coach nutrition in an evidence-based fashion. So there's these kind of like two halves to the whole, right? There's the information, the technical information, the science of nutrition and biochemistry and physiology and all that stuff. But a lot of people find that they learn that maybe in undergrad. We actually have people who are PhDs, pharmacology, you know, biochemistry, um, biomechanics, whatever, taking our cert because they've learned all this stuff, but they haven't learned the human art or the system of coaching. Um, conversely, we also we have people who really want to coach. They really want to serve other people and help other people. And they're very well-meaning, but they're not skilled in the practices of coaching or the systems of coaching or the methods of coaching. So they're getting frustrated. And also they feel like, oh, I'm not technical enough. I don't know enough about the science. So like generally people start from one or two of these positions and feel like I'm missing the other half. Um, another thing that happens is that people may have a really good technical background, but struggle to communicate it, right? So I can tell you maybe 47 steps in this, you know, process of cell signaling, but I can't sit across the table from a 70 year old, uh, you know, diabetic who's just been told by their doctor to whatever, right? And have a coaching conversation. There's a real gap between the higher level stuff and like, what do I do with an actual person? So I think that's really where our certification has evolved over the years to take those two halves, right? The, the, the evidence, the research, the, the technical aspects of nutrition science and the human stuff, the art and the systems of coaching and kind of put them together um, in a way that is accessible and interesting and relevant. Like, again, what do I do with this client? It's Tuesday, it's two o'clock, this person is coming in, oh my gosh, what do I do? Because I think so many uh, educational programs don't address that, right? And I come as an academic, 
like <laughs> people find there's so little applicability. Oh gosh, I learned all this awesome stuff, but what do I do? So we've tried to make it readable, accessible, interesting, um, and systematic. So you'll go through and like right away, we'll say, try this, try this, try this. It's very experiential. It's very almost like a, like an apprenticeship, right? So chapter two, it's like, try this, go out today and try this, try this. So by the time you get to the end of the textbook, you've tried a bunch of things, whether on yourself or someone who's willing to be a guinea pig or your actual clients, if you have them. So you emerge on the other end, having already practiced so many of the things that you're going to be giving to the clients in the future. And I think that's a huge difference. It's not just passively ingesting the material, you're engaging with it. You know, you're, there's case studies now drawn from our actual client files. They're real people in those case studies. Um, you know, there's, so it has a much more applied experiential dimension to it. Uh, we've done a whole bunch of fun new little videos, which I think are really cute. Um, what am I missing? Oh, and we have a ton of like assessment forms and worksheets. So there's like, <laughs> the textbook is over 600 pages, which we've divided into little booklets, so you don't have to carry the whole big thing. Um, but then there's um, about 200 pages of worksheets, forms, conversation starters. Do you want to assess someone's sleep habits? Great, we have a form for you. Do you want to talk about motivational interviewing? Start a conversation. Great, we have a form for you. <laughs> so we have like worksheets. I mean, this is the educator and me, right? I created all these resources. Does your client need a handy uh, PN plate guide? Cool, photocopy this and give it to them. So it's kind of like almost like this one-stop shop. <laughs> yeah. everything you're going to need to know to be a nutrition coach boom coach's toolbox is. coach's toolbox and you'll enjoy it while you do it it's not dry we tried to make the writing interesting the visuals interesting it's beautiful it's beautifully designed it's just an awesome thing that's going to get you where you want to go in your professional development and it's it's open to anyone right whether you're a hobbyist someone who just wants to learn you're just starting out, you're more experienced, you're advanced, you're someone who wants to change careers. It's open for everyone. So it's very democratic. <laughs> it is. And, and I'll just add my endorsement. You know, I get to work with a lot of brands and a lot of companies around the world in fitness. And I've known, uh, you know, John for a long time uh, and some of the other team at PN for many, many years. And there is, and can see the continued progression that PN is on year over year. Um, is amazing. I mean, I don't think there's a more of a world-class organization or company or education or curriculum out there in the fitness industry worldwide than the work you guys are doing at PN. So if you're in the fitness industry and you want to be a better at what you do, go learn from some of the best uh, there or the best there are. Uh, and I think you guys continue to push the envelope on that. So encourage everybody to check it out. PrecisionNutrition.com. You can find the upcoming uh, level one cert. We'll have some links in the show notes for everybody as well. Um, and just give a, a brief preview. What's the difference between level one, and level two, for those who might've done level one some time ago, I know you continue to evolve it, you know, every, each, each, you know, year and you've, you've added level two, which is only a few years ago now that you, you actually launched level two. So yeah, uh, there's a lot to that. Yeah. Level two is much more like a graduate seminar. So it's a one year program. And you check in every single day. So it's much more like our PN coaching program where people uh, do lessons and habits, uh, you know, practices uh, every single day for a year. It's the same thing, but for a coach. So again, as a coach, there are certain practices and skills that we all need to work on, like listening, right? <laughs> like assessment. 
but we don't always practice those things because we're like, oh, I already know how to listen. Well, do you? Right? So it's a very practice-based program that focuses on some technical aspects of coaching, like higher level topics in nutritional science, like food intolerances or hormones, whatever. Um, but it also uh, takes you through specific skill building for coaching. So it's a much more intensive, like professional development seminar kind of experience. You get a coach, uh, you have assignments, uh, you know, so you're producing, so you're not just like writing an exam, you're producing work based on real clients. Again, always, we have plenty, <laughs> we have lots. Um, and then you're, you're getting feedback and guidance from one of our top coaches who is assigned to you as your coach. So there's like a kind of a direct mentorship happening and a, and a daily cadence of learning. So, but, and, and it's funny because people finish it at, at the end of the year and they're like, oh my gosh, I'm actually a better person. Like I'm a better parent. I'm not just a better coach because these skills are so transferable, right? I'm a better parent. I'm a better partner. I'm a better colleague. So that's really the difference. So level one is much more like I would say either an undergraduate course or like a, a, an early master's level course, whereas level two is much more like a higher graduate level or intense professional development course. So they go together really nicely. They go together. <laughs> and once you have one, you're going to want the next one. So of course. check it out. All right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Any final words of wisdom, tips you'd share for young coaches and established coaches out there today? I guess I would say to, to be compassionate and curious with yourself and understand mastery takes time and there's a lot of reps. And just because you're a nice person and mean well and want to help doesn't make you a great coach and that's okay, right? I still feel like every day I'm learning and maybe when I'm 100, I don't know if I'm going to feel like a good coach then either. But coaching mastery takes time and deliberate practice and lots of reps. So if you're starting out or you're changing careers, even if you're advanced and you feel like you're struggling, understand that you can get better no matter what but it probably takes a lot longer than you think <laughs> and that's okay right it's a it's a lifetime vocation if you want it to be i love that awesome yeah. all right well great words of wisdom thank you krista we hope to have you back again sometime uh absolutely encourage everybody to go meet krista learn more about what they've got to offer at pn precisionnutrition.com and uh thanks for being here today Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Secrets to Their Fitness Business Success podcast with me, Sean Greeley. If you like the show, then head on over to npefitness.com slash podcast to download the show notes, subscribe, and enter to win over 25,000 in free prizes we're giving away to celebrate the launch of the show. Be well, and we'll see you in the next episode.